I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Kidding, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this gun with through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. Just waiting for the ducks to show up. No ducks. Where are Tupi and Binu? They should be right outside my window right about now. How disappointing. They didn't show up for my birthday party. That's right. I turned the big 6-0 today. 60. <laughs> I do not know how that happened. I feel 12. I, I probably act 12. I'm sure the mighty Aphrodite would uh, concur. You know, I share a birthday with Howard Stern. He turned 70 today. And, you know, it used to be kind of cool sharing a birthday with Howard Stern. I was a big fan once upon a time. And then COVID hit and exposed him for the raging wacko lunatic that he is. I mean, he, uh, well, along with a lot of other people I used to admire, mostly in the musical world, so many. So many turned out to be cruel, mean, authoritarian, non-thinking, soulless sellouts. And during the 60s and 70s, they were so proud to stand up and thumb their nose at authority or call out government overreach or authoritarianism. And then during COVID, they were in lockstep with the government and their coercive and evil vaccine mandates. It was very sad and troubling to see. The classic example, remember Rage Against the Machine from the 1990s? Rage Against the Machine. What does that name mean to you? Literally, you know, rage against the system, rage against the man, rage against authority, rage against groupthink. All of that implied in the name. And then during COVID, they were on tour and they insisted anyone attending their concerts be vaccinated. (laughs) They should have changed their name to Rage with the Machine. Uh, Disgraceful Deputy Prime Minister slash Finance Minister Christian Freeland. What an enormous hypocrite she is. I mean, that word doesn't even suffice. She is the embodiment of the word hypocrisy. 
You'll recall, for example, that when Eastern Canadians were complaining about the hardships caused by the carbon tax, she told them to buy a bicycle and ride it to work. Because that's what she does. She bragged about the fact she doesn't even need a car in Toronto. She walks, she takes her bike, or she uses public transit. Then, of course, Blacklock's reporter uncovered her enormous bills for limousine rides. Not a good look. Then a couple of years ago, Ross McLean, crime and security specialist, was on the program earlier this week, and he reminded me of this, how she gave a speech, Christy Freeland did, she gave a speech defending freedom of the press because she used to be a journalist. She reminded the audience. And then Freeland went on to say that no journalist should be intimidated or beaten or arrested. (laughs) And then a few short years later, well, you saw the video, she can barely contain her glee as she watches a member of her security detail, a goon, with the RCMP physically and viciously attack journalist David Menzies and then falsely accuse him of assaulting an officer and then falsely arresting him. And then when she finally addresses this horrible, ugly scene, all she can manage to say is, I can't comment. This is a police matter. What a horrible person she is. How embarrassing, humiliating, in fact, for the country. You know, everyone around the world is asking, what the hell happened to Canada? Here's um, David Menzies getting to ask a question to the leader of the official opposition, Pierre Polyev. Mr. Polyev, David Menzies with Rebel News. Um, Mr. Polyev, the liberals use both a carrot and a stick to control journalists in Canada. The carrot is obviously government money, including massive payments to publishers and broadcasters, This corrupts their editorial independence. The stick is regulation, including censorship, banning reporters from press conferences, the CRA's journalism licensing regime, and the CRTC's new power to alter search engine algorithms. My question, sir, is this. Which of these carrots and sticks would you keep as prime minister And which would you repeal? Thank you. We are going to repeal C-11, the censorship law, which allows CRTC bureaucrats to secretly manipulate social media algorithms to promote certain information, demote other information, and censor certain things altogether. This is a form of censorship that exists nowhere in the democratic world. Um, Margaret Atwood actually said that this was creeping totalitarianism. This is Margaret Atwood. She's not a conservative, obviously not a conservative, but she's an artist, a true artist, who believes that freedom of expression and freedom of the press is necessary. We're going to stop arresting journalists. It's outrageous for the prime minister to have and his government uh, to have journalists arrested for ask merely for asking questions of ministers and uh, of public officials. Um, and we're going to make sure that the government uh, does not give to, use tax dollars to leverage news coverage in its favor. And right now, Justin Trudeau is censoring those that, that he disagrees with and trying to buy off the rest. And that makes that undermines confidence among Canadians in the news media. 
Uh, thanks to Rebel News and David Menzies for permission to use that audio. You'll notice after Menzies asks the question, he isn't throttled and then arrested by Pierre Pauly of security detail. I guess that's a positive step forward. <laughs> Pierre Pauliev, and I quote, I won't arrest journalists. You know, it's the liberals who arrest and beat and manhandle journalists quite routinely. Trudeau has also groped a journalist, uh, but mainly they beat them and arrest them. And yet, isn't this what the left claims Trump will do if reelected? And isn't it the left always trying to compare Polyev to Trump? Another classic example of the psychological phenomenon known as projection. When someone accuses another of doing precisely what they themselves do. Speaking of Trump, uh, a member of his legal team, Christina Bob, returns to the program. She'll be here next, actually, to discuss the former president's legal battles and how the legal system is being used by the Democrats as a tool of election interference. That uh, civil fraud trial against Trump just wrapped up in New York. Here's one of the stars of Shark Tank, Canadian entrepreneur Kevin O'Leary, commenting on the ridiculous and unprecedented nature of that trial. You've been doing real estate for decades Does this case strike you as odd? Well, let's leave out Trump for a minute and let's leave out politics and just talk about what happens in real estate development anywhere. So if you're a developer and you've got a building on on a block anywhere in America and it's worth, let's say, $500 million and you want to build a building right beside it, you go to the bank and say, this building is worth $500 million. I'd like to borrow a construction finance loan against this asset and I want you to tell me it's worth 500 million too. And the bank negotiates with you and says, well, no, we think it's worth 400 million. And you fight it out. You're always trying to show your assets in the brightest light with the sunshine you can possibly determine for them. You want them to be worth the very most because you're only going to get a 40 or 50% loan to value, as it's called. Then you borrow that money. In the case of a $500 million asset, maybe you get $250 million, and you build a new building with a construction finance loan. And so that's what this case is all about. What, and, and by the way, forget about Trump. Every single real estate developer everywhere on earth does this. They always talk about their asset being worth a lot, and the bank says no. And that's just the way it is. So... In this case, when I'm trying to figure out, and I'm not pro or con, or I don't care about the politics, who lost money? Nobody. The bank got paid back the construction finance loan, and a new building was built. And if, if you're going to sue this case and win, you got to sue every real estate developer everywhere. This is all they do. This is what they do all day long, every day. So I don't think this thing will ever survive appeal, regardless of what the fine is. This doesn't even make sense. Now, look, I know Trump's got a lot of problems in other indictments and everything else. But but this if you're a real estate developer, you're watching this, you're saying, what is this? This is ridiculous. All right. That's uh, Kevin O'Leary appearing on CNN, just totally dismantling, dismantling uh, Letitia James ridiculous court case, civil fraud case against Donald Trump. Uh, also coming up on the show, the great Greg Carrasco will be here. Last order of business in hour two. Brendan Lang, play-by-play announcer with the Mississauga Steelheads, will be here with a preview of this week's OHL action. Oncologist Dr. William 
McKeese. He had a cancer clinic in Alberta where he was having great success treating stage 4 cancer patients before Alberta Health Services shut him down for some reason. Uh, he's now with the Wellness Company, and he's today's feature interview in Hour 2. Dr. Katya Bissonette, I've been telling you about her. She's this uh, female boxer who was competing in Quebec's Golden Gloves Boxing Tournament last uh, month, December 2023, when she found out her opponent was going to be a man. So she rightly withdrew from the tournament. The dude won by default. Dr. Bissonette will be here this hour. Open lines this hour, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. President Trump's lawyer, Christina Bob, the author of Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. She's next. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Friday, January 12th in the year of our Lord, 2024. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. The um, civil fraud case in New York wrapped up. And, uh, of course, the um, case before the Supreme Court hopefully will overturn the state of Colorado and the state of Maine where they're attempting to... uh, Remove Donald Trump for the ballot. Of course, then there are the Jack Smith indictments and the uh, indictment in uh, Fulton County, Georgia, uh, where the the DA there appears to have uh, hired her lover as a prosecutor. Not looking good there either. However. There is uh, still some concerns that if possible, the left will or the Dems will try and steal the 2024 election. Will they be able to pull it off? It, it might be difficult this time around. And we'll find out. Christina Bob, Donald Trump's attorney, joins us again, investigative reporter and also the author of Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Christina Bob, welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be back. Uh, I, earlier, I was playing uh, Kevin O'Leary was uh, appearing on CNN and just totally dismantled the Tisha James uh, a fraud case talking about how every real estate developer in the world did or does what Donald Trump does every single day, every day where they'll take a property that they have uh, and they'll um, they'll go to the bank and they'll try to get a construction uh, loan based on the value of another property, and they'll try right. and put that property in the best possible light, and then the bank will say, no, it's not worth 500000 it's worth 350000 etc. This is how it's done. And basically, but this is what they're going after Trump for, for fraud, basically practicing the way every real estate developer does around the world. Um, closing arguments were, were made the other day. How, how are you feeling about that case? Uh, well, the judge ruled against Donald Trump before the trial even started. He he ordered on summary judgment uh, that Donald Trump was guilty of fraud without seeing any of the evidence. So that's not great. Um, but I, I feel good about it in the sense that there's no way for all of many reasons and many of which you just stated Uh, There's no way that this is going to withstand appeal because no one would be able to practice real estate in New York if this is now the standard for civil fraud. So uh, it will get overturned on appeal. I suspect that the courts are going to drag their feet on the appellate process. 
Uh, you know, we'll see how long they take. This to me, this is all about interfering with the 2024 election. Um, so I don't think Donald Trump will ultimately need to pay whatever penalty, if any, um, Judge Engeron orders. Uh, but it, it's it's just really sad for the American people that we're all being put through this, and we're all watching President Trump having to go through this. Now to Fulton County and the uh, indictments there. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, um, you know, all these allegations about hiring yeah. Glover as the prosecutor. Prosecutor, is that it's? It feels like that whole case is about to just implode and collapse. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was never good to begin with, but yes, it's really, really bad. She herself could potentially be guilty of federal offenses herself. Uh, and other criminal charges that all needs to be investigated. But the allegations that have come out are uh, pretty shocking. The fact that she she paid her boyfriend $654,000. This is what's out there. Um, that she paid her boyfriend $654,000 uh, to, to conduct legal services and um, appointed him to prosecute Donald Trump. And then with that money, he pays for lavish vacations and retreats that they go on. So uh, she's basically getting the benefit of the money that she's paying to prosecute Donald Trump. And then there's evidence that her boyfriend, prosecutor of Donald Trump, is also going up to Washington, D.C., meeting with uh, the Biden administration in some capacity. Uh, So there appears to be a level of coordination with that. So it is falling apart at the seams. I think Fannie Willis and her boyfriend should be quite concerned about these appearances. Um, Certainly, the Biden administration isn't going to prosecute them for anything. But I know several Republicans are calling on Christopher Carr, who is the attorney general of Georgia, a Republican, to do an investigation and look into this. Uh, He has traditionally sided with Democrats on all of the election issues and has allowed Fannie Willis to run rampant and do whatever she wants without consequence. Um, but, he, you know, this is egregious enough that it may force his hand on this. So we'll, we'll see what Christopher Carr does. Now to the uh, the Jack Smith uh, indictments. Uh, it looks like he may have overplayed his hand. He wanted yeah. so desperately to get uh, uh, Trump to trial before Super Tuesday. So uh, he wanted to go right to the Supreme Court to get them to rule on uh, presidential immunity. They said no. It went back to the appellate court. Um uh, I don't know, the, 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 the media is describing the judge's um, sort of demeanor towards Trump's legal team as frosty in terms of their arguments about presidential immunity. How do you, how do you think that's going? Uh, I mean, I think that was probably accurate. You can hear the tapes and the transcripts of that hearing. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment of it. I think that notwithstanding, I think their arguments are valid and very, very good. Uh, so whether the Court of Appeals, the judges on the court of the circuit court that are hearing this, like President Trump's attorneys or not, um, they still run the risk of being overturned by the Supreme Court. I don't know. No judge likes that. That looks really bad, especially in a very high profile case and uh, a case that they would then be accused of being partisan. So hopefully, whether they like the attorneys or not, they still rule appropriately on the law. Uh, that remains to be seen. But, you know, that's that's what we're waiting we're waiting to find out. Christina Bob is Donald Trump's attorney, investigative reporter, former TV host with One America News Network and the author of Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Quick time out back with more of our conversation right here on Saga 960. Don't go away. 
Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up next, open lines at 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Right now, Christina Bob stays with us, Donald Trump's attorney, and also the author of Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. I mean, all of these legal cases that we're talking about against Trump are, are, are another tool of election interference. Um, let's talk about the attempts uh, by states like Colorado, um, Maine, I believe Oregon just lost a case. Uh, Michigan mm-hmm. also lost a case. They were trying to get Trump removed from the uh, the ballot for both the primary and the general election based on uh, the 14th Amendment, Section 3. Uh, the Colorado case is, is before the Supreme Court. How soon uh, are they likely to, to rule on that? Or, um, I mean, can this drag out until, I don't know, whenever? Well, it can drag out until whenever, but I don't think it will. Uh, I think the Supreme Court recognizes that both sides want a ruling on this issue. Um, Certainly, I think Democrats are afraid of the ruling that's coming. But there have been, I want to say, close to two dozen cases filed like this around the country. Almost half the states have been uh, working on this issue to try to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. And All of them have lost, except for Colorado and Maine, which wasn't really even a case. It was just a person who just decided to do this. Right, Uh, Secretary of State. Yeah, yeah, who's just on her own, just said, I'm not going to put him on the ballot, which, of course, caused a lot of problems. Um, Both Colorado and Maine have said he will be on the ballot for the primary. Um, So I I would suspect that the Supreme Court will rule on this fairly quickly. It might not come out um, before Super Tuesday. I hope it does. But Um, Either way, it doesn't really matter. He's going to be on the ballot. And then once it does come out, which I would expect to be shortly thereafter, um, it's going to be a very decisive ruling in favor of Donald Trump being on the ballot. I would expect it to be, if not unanimous, maybe eight to one, maybe seven to. But honestly, I don't even I don't even see the leftist judges on the Supreme Court keeping him off the ballot on this issue. Uh, Will it be will that be a blanket uh, ruling covering all states at once, or will they have to take it state by state? So, for example, if California then says, well, now we're going to take them off the ballot, do they go have to have to go through this again? Thankfully, no. I mean, it depends on how the Supreme Court rules. But because the Supreme Court is taking up a federal constitutional issue, a U.S. constitutional issue, it covers all 50 states. Um, I mean, if they wanted to make it incredibly painful for all of us, they could rule on a state by state basis. But for that exact reason, I don't think they will. I think the ruling that comes out on this Colorado case will take out all all of these questions in all 50 states. Uh, Like I said, I think it will be a decisive ruling and Donald Trump will be on the ballot in all 50 states. Okay, so then what is left in the uh, what arrows are left in the Democratic uh, quiver to take Trump out? Uh, And I don't even want to go, you know, where Tucker Carlson has mentioned. We've raised that ugly specter. But um, I mean, how are they going to, in other words, how are they, how are they going to keep him out of the White House if all of these other attempts have been unsuccessful? Yeah. Uh, they don't have COVID this time. So, you know, we're, are we likely to see the kind of surge in, in mail-in ballots and so forth as we did in 2020? I don't think so. I mean, states aren't falling for it. A, a lot of the states aren't doing shutdowns, you know, even though California and some of those more liberal states are, I shouldn't even call them liberal states, states with liberal leadership. 
Hmm. are trying to reinforce mask mandates. And and they're trying to bring that back. And you see that discussion from the CDC and you hear the discussion that, oh, there's a virus that's worse than Corona. And, um, you know, they're trying they're trying to uh, work the groundwork for that. I I don't think it will be successful. I don't think it will happen. Um, But. Yeah, I mean, I think Donald Trump will be on all 50 ballots as far, on all 50 state ballots. As far as what do they have left? I don't, I don't think they really have anything. They can't stop Donald Trump. I think their last best hope, which I don't think will be successful, is the January 6th case in Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, you know, I think everyone recognizes January 6th for what it is at this point. But there they're looking at this going, we have the most liberal judge with the most liberal jury with uh, the most liberal prosecutor in the worst venue with the media allies. And they're hoping that even though even though a conviction in that case would not keep him off the ballot, it would not make him ineligible, it would not necessarily impact him in any way. I think they want to use that as if they're this is their plan. I don't think they'll be successful, but they they want to use that as propaganda to say, look, at he's a criminal. He's a criminal. Um, and hope that people believe it. <laughs> I don't think they'll get the conviction, but even if they did, I, I don't think people will believe it. Uh, in, in 2020, Biden was leading in the um, the popular vote, and he was leading, according to the polls, whether we believe them or not, in a number of those those important swing states. So right. you know, to 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 find 150 or 180 thousand votes across five states, whatever it was, uh, which was the determining number of votes. I yeah. mean, people, oh, Biden won by four million. No, he won by, I don't know, 150, 180 thousand votes spread across, you know, five states in, you know, Fulton County, yeah. uh, Wayne County, uh, in Philadelphia and, and Maricopa, elsewhere. Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's how it was done. But now Trump is is winning in the popular vote uh, by I've seen as much as five percent. Uh, yep. He's winning in all of the swing states now surging ahead in, in, in Michigan. Um, they can't it, it, it would be too obvious now if they were to try and if they to, if they were to try to, to cheat in, in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they'll be successful. I, I do not believe that there's anything that they can do to stop Donald Trump. And especially without covid, you know, there were so many illegal uh, actions on the part of um, both Democrats and Republicans in office at the time to they, I mean, tw- the 2020 election was largely conducted illegally in most of these states. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they blame it on COVID and said, oh, we had to do this. No, they broke the law. They just broke the law in the way they administered the election. They're not going to be able to do that this time around. So you couple that with Biden's slinking popularity, Donald Trump's surging popular popularity, uh, I, I don't see a path to victory for Joe Biden. I just don't. Well, that is encouraging, although at the same time, we don't want to be complacent. Exactly. Uh, That's exactly right. We need people out. We need people that live in the counties, you know, volunteer, you know, for the Americans watching, volunteer um, whatever county you're at, work for your county, become a part of a group uh, that's scrubbing voter rolls, do what you can to get involved, because it's going to take every single one of us being involved, doing our part to make sure that they cannot steal 2024. How do we get a copy of Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024? It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Christina Bob, thank you so much as always. All the best. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. All right. Open lines. When we come back, 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. 
They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstock Saga, 960 AM. You know, uh, we don't always have the opportunity to choose the people we work with that share our values. But when we can, we should. So stop working with woke bank banks and big financial institutions that don't share any of your values or, or uh, our commitment to this country. So give our friends at Rocklink a call. Rocklink Investment Partners, proudly Canadian, proudly conservative. They offer a genuinely unique investment approach in the crowded money management space. They love working with like-minded folks that share their passion for ending the liberal and woke insanity that's destroying our country. So give Rocklink a call at 905-631-5462. 905-631-5462. I did, and now I'm a client. You can also email them at info at rocklink.com, info at rocklink.com. That's rocklink with a C, R-O-C-K-L-I-N-C. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred. And we begin with our good friend Bill from Pickering. Hello, Bill. Welcome. Hey, it's me. It's, it's hey. Bill. I, I said Bill. Congratulations yeah. on your milestone. Thank you. Thank you. I guess you're going to go out. I guess you're going to go out for the big steak dinner tonight with the boys. That's tomorrow, actually. Oh, yeah, that's all in the storm. Yeah, and now I sent you a little congratulatory uh, email there. So now you're entitled to the Canada pension, right? Yeah, that stings. <laughs> yeah, the well, uh, the only time I get carded uh, these days, you know, uh, is when I'm asking for the seniors discount, and that's uh, yeah, that's a big change. Yeah. So, what I, did you happen to? I, I know you do all the prepping and everything, but did you happen to see Bidden? on CNN about two hours ago. So they're doing some commentary with some warmonger, retired warmonger. And all of a sudden the commentator says, oh, oh, the president, the president's going to speak. And they break. this is live. Mm-hmm. So Biden's standing there and he's, he's, he's got that deer in the headlight look. He's holding yeah. an orange Julius. And he says, did you see it? No, I didn't. Oh, He's standing there, and then all of a sudden they cut live from him. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least there weren't no casualties talking about what happened with the U.K. and the U.S. Then he turns around and says, who wants a coffee? I'm I'm buying. You know, even though they're $6 each, I'm buying, right? And then he takes the George Julius, and he's trying to get, and he's missing his boat. And all of a sudden... They broke back to the commentary. So 
Yeah, uh, groundbreaking, groundbreaking statement from the president. He's going to buy a round for uh, it, the tennis. Yeah, like, like you cannot. And there are so numerous ones on like of him just bobbling. Yeah, anyways, can't I'm find his sure way off. The, can't find his way off the stage, uh, or <laughs> the only thing he can talk about is his favorite ice cream. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how they're yeah. going to keep this guy now, propped up for another 10 months. I really don't. That's my fear. Is oh, that no, they he's, don't. no, he's, he's gone and they're doing the 25 or whatever. And then they'll have uh, whatever. I don't, but the other thing I wanted to ask you, you don't have the podcast anymore. The last one was October 27th. Um, Did you know that on your, Oh, for the Richard Saracho for this show. For every, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, the I, last I, podcast no, no. that, yeah, I, uh, I mentioned on the air at the time there were some changes made. Now, I don't think we have it hooked up to the Saga 960 website, but if you go to the com website, you can stream all of them there. You can also just maybe the best thing, Bill, is to uh, just to subscribe. It's on Spotify and Spreaker and Apple and everywhere. Uh, but uh, you can stream them and listen to them every single one, except, of course, you know, when we're in repeats during the break, Christmas break and so forth. The Richard Sarrett show dot com. But it, we're going to okay. we're going to we're getting that fixed as well. It's Saga 960 dot com. They'll be hooked up there soon. OK, and there, just one other thing quickly. The uh, when they made the uh, the uh, lady for um, the uh, to get us out of the UN and the WHO, right? Do you remember when Trump first got elected? That's one of the first things he wanted to do was to take the uh, U.S. out of the WHO. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. And, yeah. Anyway, right Cal, enjoy your day. Thank you, Bill. Are, are you still there? I am, Bill. When you get, you know, if you have some wise investment people, when you get your Canada pension, take the whole thing, right? It's 700 and something dollars. But if you don't have tax diversions and that, take the tax off because they'll get you in the end. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. And then. Oh, sorry, Bill. I'm running late. Got to go. Sorry about that. All right. When we come back. Dr. Katia Bissonette stepped into the ring in Quebec during the Golden Glove Boxing Tournament and discovered her opponent was a man, so she withdrew. She joins me next. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Yesterday, I spoke with Coach Blade, Linda Blade. She was down in Phoenix, Arizona attending a a big rally, a coalition of women's organizations who presented a letter to the NCAA Board of Governors demanding, once again, that they protect women's sports. And uh, we'll see how that goes. I've also talked about my next guest, who I I think is a a hero. And I've been asking women athletes to, to stand up and basically to withdraw when they are forced to compete against men in the women's uh, various women's sports categories. I just think it's a, it's morally repugnant what is going on. And uh, Dr. Katya Bissonette did just that in December of 2023 while competing in the Quebec Golden Glove boxing competition. She suddenly realized that she was going to be stepping into the ring with a man and she refused. She refused and she joins me now. Dr. Bissonette, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm uh, really uh, good. Thank you for uh, this uh, invitation. My pleasure. 
So tell me a little bit about your boxing career. When did you start to box? Uh, where are you uh, ranked as an amateur in Canada, the world? I never uh, playing sports before I 34 uh, years old. I'm now 36, so it's a uh, it's a, a career <laughs> a late I start, uh, but um, it was a goal to win uh, um, a fight in boxing. So I have two fights and uh, two victories. So uh, I hope I, I can um, continue uh, boxing. It depends a lot of the, um, the situation uh, with uh, the, the transsexual uh, person. When did you learn that you would be stepping into the ring with a man? And, and what was your reaction when you learned this? Uh, I, I learned this uh, randomly. Uh, by texto, by uh, one hour before I uh, fight, go on the ring, uh, a coach, I don't know who is it, but he texts my coach to said that my um, adversary is not uh, is not a, a, a woman. So uh, my coach uh, checked uh, and uh, saw that it was real. So it make um, it was a close call before I found out until I was in the fight. How did you react when you learned that you would you you would be facing a man in a boxing ring? Um, I was extremely disappointed with the, the Quebec Boxing Federation for having put my security in order to try to keep this silence for fear of reprisal from the wokes. Tell us about this male opponent, the, the, the man that you were supposed to get into the ring with, do you know when he transitioned or decided he believed he was a woman? Uh, we had no information. Uh, we know that uh, um, this person uh, was uh, a male boxer in Australia uh, in, in 2020, but uh, we know that because this person say it to uh, La Presse, uh, but at this time, uh, we had no information. So you don't know whether he had taken hormone blockers or had surgery or anything? Um, the Quebec Boxing Federation and me had no information on this subject. All the athlete had to do was check, the, the athlete had to do was check the female box to participate with the woman. No additional test or question were asked. Unbelievable. All he had to do was check a box that he was a woman. Did you refuse to fight this man out of principle? In other words, because you believe men should not be allowed to compete against women? Or were you concerned about your safety? Or was it a combination of both? Uh, I think, um, yes, for my safety and precautionary principle due to the lack of information on the regulations and the condition of the adversary was uh, me. I cannot take a decision for the woman boxer. Uh, if I say yes, then another will say yes, because in Quebec, I, I am the first who, um, who I've experienced this situation, who um, that yeah. happened. This is the first time it's happened to a, a woman boxer in Quebec. So you decided 
you had to stand up to this rule. Was there any disciplinary action against you for withdrawing? No, not uh, not uh, so far, but maybe. And now that you're speaking out about it, are are you being threatened with legal action? No. So what happens next for you? What what happens, say, for example, the next time you're asked to step into the ring and fight a man? What will you do? Uh, if there is a free and informed consent in advance, I will already have gained that. But I'm going to say no anyway. Uh, now I'm waiting for Boxing Canada policy to know if I will participate in the next championships this winter. Well, I think you're a hero, Katya. I think what you did was absolutely the right thing, and I commend you for it. And um, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Dr. Katya Bissonnette. First we filled your mind. Now, let's twist it. This is... The Lim Riddler. Happy Friday, Lim Riddler. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Richard. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic, fantastic. Awesome. We are looking for a one-word answer that solves all four clues in the Lim Riddle. And people can send their one-word answer to info at limriddles.com. Info at limriddles.com. Put 60, uh, 960 rather, 60. <laughs> I turned 60 today. Lim Riddler, that's why I've got 60. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you. Put 960 in the subject line, 960. That way we know you heard the Lim Riddle right here on the Richard Sarah Show at Saga 960. And what should they do when they're at uh, LimRiddles.com? Well, there's a little button uh, that you can uh, press to, to sign up to subscribe. And that way you'll get the Lim Riddle delivered to you every Friday, just a couple minutes before I come on the radio. But it's always easier to solve the Lim Riddle if you can read along with me all right today's limb riddle is called go gourmet mm -hmm. who does this appeal to well i guess anybody who uh who likes to eat eggs um uh, anybody who's a bridgerton fan um maybe people who are yankees fans or not okay as always you cover a lot of ground you appeal to a wide broad spectrum all right so let's hear today's limb riddle go gourmet yeah, go gourmet. Arnold switched teams to the Yankees' chagrin. Bridgerton bachelor fashioned by Quinn. Cleric divine resolved to resign. Eggs go gourmet with a rich saucy spin. Oh, that's a good one. All right, let's hear it one more time. Arnold switched teams to the Yankees' chagrin. Bridgerton bachelor fashioned by Quinn. Cleric divine resolved to resign. Eggs go gourmet with a rich, saucy spin. All right. Again, looking for your one-word answer, to uh, send it to info at limriddles.com. Put 960 in the subject line and then be sure to be listening just before the news at 6 when I reveal the answer and announce the winners. One lucky winner will walk away with a pair of tickets to see the Mississauga Steelheads in action at home at the Paramount Fried Food Center this Sunday afternoon against Sarnia. So good luck to everyone. Lim Riddler, you have a great weekend. We'll talk next week. You too, Richard, and all the best for your seventh decade. Wow. When you put it like that, yikes. Bye-bye. <laughs> the Lim Riddler. Solve this puzzle. The Lim Riddler. Every Friday at 4.50 on The Richard Serge Show on Saga 960 AM.
All right, hour two coming up shortly. Dr. William Maquis will be here, Chief of Nuclear Medicine and Oncology for the Wellness Company. He also ran a pretty successful cancer clinic in Alberta that was treating stage four cancer patients until Alberta Health Services shut him down. We'll find out what happened there. We'll also talk about the silent cardiac killer, how uh, more and more young people Uh, between the ages of 14 and 35, suddenly just dropping dead every week. Uh, Could there be a connection to the COVID-19 vaccine? We'll find out. The Richard Serrett Show, again, back with more right here on Saga 960. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Richard Serrett Show. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way, including the great Greg Carrasco. He'll be here towards the uh, tail end of the program, host of the Greg Carrasco Show, Saturday mornings, 8 to 11, right here on Saga 960. And we'll uh, talk about the violent and false arrest of journalist David Menzies. And I will also find out what's coming up on uh, Greg's juggernaut of a radio program uh, tomorrow morning. Brendan Lang, play-by-play announcer, color commentator for the Mississauga Steelheads, will be here and we'll get a, a preview of this weekend's action with the uh, Trout. And, um, oh, don't forget Lim Riddler, just before the news at six as well. I'll, I'll reveal the answer to this week's Lim Riddle and uh, award a pair of tickets to see the Steelheads in action at the Paramount Fine Food Center. Uh, the winner will receive a pair of tickets for this Sunday's game against Sarnia. All right. Over the last uh, month or two, I've introduced you to uh, a number of medical doctors that are involved with a, a very novel new approach to healthcare delivery. I think it's the future of healthcare delivery. It's called the Wellness Company, twc.health forward slash liberty. And uh, they have um, virtual care where you can see a doctor. Uh, I mean, how important is that in this country where it's becoming increasingly difficult, almost impossible to find a, a GP? A uh, wide range of supplements uh, for your immune system, daily essentials for mind and energy, digestion, metabolism, sleep restoration. Uh, also... Medical kits, which some of these are not available in Canada yet, but I'm told they're working on it. A medical emergency kit, you you know, gives you peace of mind for the unexpected, but also a a contagion emergency kit. 
if uh, you're one of our fine American listeners, these are available to you right now. But again, they are working on uh, making these available in Canada. All right, I'm going to introduce you to uh, another uh, one of the uh, medical doctors at the Wellness Company. Dr. William Mackis is uh, Chief of Nuclear Medicine and Oncology for the Wellness Company, and he joins us now. Dr. Mackis, welcome. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. Uh, let me ask you first, if we could, I want to talk about what's going on with or what has gone on with you and Alberta Health Services. Uh, you had, from what I understand, a pretty successful uh, cancer clinic in Alberta. You were treating stage four cancer patients with with some success. Uh, and then AHS what moved in and shut you down. What happened there? Yeah, we had actually a very successful cancer program. We were treating end-stage neuroendocrine cancer patients with about a 90% success rate, a cure rate. Cancer patients who were basically, they had failed every treatment. Um, They were stage four, failed every treatment, and they were sent home to die by their doctors. And as a last-ditch effort, they sent them to my program in Edmonton, and we cured about 85 to 90% of them with targeted treatment. radionuclide um, isotopes, medical isotopes. It was a targeted radiation therapy. And I had the largest program in North America. Um, I was getting patients from all over Canada. I mean, patients were trying to get in from the United States into Canada, if you can imagine that. Uh, we, Of course, we couldn't. We had, you know, regulations. Uh, it was a clinical trial. Anyways, it was shut down by uh, Rachel Notley's government uh, on behalf of Justin Trudeau's federal government, which is rebuilding uh, an identical copy of that program in Vancouver with about $300 million of federal money. Now, the reason why they're doing that is because uh, the Trudeau government wanted a monopoly. They wanted to control it. They wanted to call themselves global leaders in cancer therapy, precision uh, cancer therapy, as they call it. And, um, you know, they heavily invested into cutting edge cancer treatments. This was before, just before the pandemic hit. Uh, of course, then we found out later on that uh, they've invested heavily into mRNA technology as well to produce vaccines. We see vaccine factories are being built in Quebec. There's going to be another one in British Columbia. So, um, yeah, I just I was at the wrong place at the wrong time and running the wrong cancer treatments. Interesting. I mean, I, I don't want to monopolize the, the show with this discussion, and perhaps we can have you on another time and dive a little d- deeper into this. But I just I don't understand, you know, you're having so much success. You were part of our healthcare system. They should have been, you know, supporting you, getting behind you and, you know, taking a great deal of pride in that. I don't understand why they would close you down. Well, because they want to build private clinics in Vancouver, and, and ultimately they want to monetize this. And, and, and now it has expanded. These treatments have expanded into prostate cancer and breast cancer, and that's where the big money is. Ah. That's the moment they discovered that they could use this to treat end-stage prostate cancer patients. That is a multi, multi-billion dollar uh, industry. Um, and so there, there's tremendous amounts of, you know, there's tremendous money in it. And they, they do plan to build a private clinics in Vancouver. Now, of course, it's the money's going to go through, you know, various entities uh, because, you know, we're not supposed to have private uh, health care in, in Canada. But, uh, uh, you know, for the Trudeau government, I guess anything is possible. 
Hmm. I, I've been following a little bit of the story on your, your Twitter feed or X feed. And, um, uh, there was something in there about the, uh, Alberta health services or officials at the AHS trying to bribe you to keep quiet or to, what was that all about? Yeah. So, so once, uh, once they shut down my, uh, my cancer program, um, I actually sued, uh, Alberta health services for, th- I, I filed a $13 million lawsuit, which is still active. And, um, we hit, we went into discovery. We exchanged, uh, documents in discovery. And, um, right after the exchange of documents, I was, uh, I was basically given a $400,000 bribe offer to settle the lawsuit, but also to sign a big non-disclosure agreement that I would never speak about what happened to my cancer program, never speak to my colleagues again. And I refused the offer, which I think they didn't expect. Uh, because they said they'll make it tax free. So it was like an $800,000 offer. Um, and within six hours of me refusing the offer, the college took my medical license hostage and then started extorting me and my family over the following two years, uh, basically threatening me to, to sign the non-disclosure agreement or they would destroy my medical license, which they eventually did. How did they threaten your family? <laughs> They said, we're going to punish your family financially. We're going to destroy your reputation, medical reputation. We're not going to allow you to work. So they, you know, they basically smeared me uh, with a fake complaint. They said um, I'm unprofessional or they accused me of unprofessional conduct. And they basically said, if you don't sign this agreement, we will never allow you to practice medicine again. And I have this all on record. Uh, I've gone to the Edmonton police with it. Uh, Edmonton police chief uh, helped cover it up and protected Alberta Health Services. I went to the RCMP. Um, you know, I've gone to the courts. The courts are corrupt. They've bought uh, a number of judges uh, to conduct cover-ups. Uh, Alberta Health Services is a big player. It's one of the biggest players in Canada. Uh, you know, they get $23 billion a year from from Alberta taxpayers. And they launder that money. They they give it to multinational corporations. They waste the money on various personal projects. I mean, we have, you know, 15, 20, 20 hour uh, wait times in emergency rooms. And these guys are getting money just poured into them, $23 billion a year. And that money disappears into a black hole. What happened to the patients that were uh, registered for uh, treatment at your your clinic that were in stage four cancer um, or at stage four. They were t- they were told that the treatments are no longer available and they were basically given no other options. They were basically sent home to die. How many? Uh, so I had about two hundred patients that were getting treatments. Um, we had space for about four hundred. Uh, so there would have been at least four hundred patients affected uh, and basically killed. Um, because they were left without treatment options. Then I also had uh, another 2,000 patients that I was following uh, with diagnostic imaging um, and also in my cancer clinics when, uh, you know, we were looking for patients who might be eligible for the program. Uh, So their cancer treatment was impaired as well. Um, so all in total, about two and a half thousand patients were affected by this. But, you know, the, the, the Notley government knew this. They signed off on it. Rachel Notley's government. Jason Kenney's government knew this. I was in touch with his minister of health, Tyler Shandro, and they threw, they threw me under the bus. They said, we know what you went through and what they did to you and your cancer patients. And we're not going to do anything about it because of bad optics, because of the pandemic. Because as soon as the pandemic hit, Jason Kenney was no longer in charge. Um, we actually saw Alberta Health Services sign a deal with the World Economic Forum, 
uh, in the summer of 2020. They were guaranteed billions of dollars, uh, cutting edge uh, access to cutting edge uh, healthcare technologies. And uh, the deal was that they were going to um, basically um, run pilot projects for the World Economic Forum uh, to optimize healthcare. Uh, delivery in Canada. This is all on the Alberta Health Services website uh, in the press release that they put out with the World Economic Forum. And it seems that at the moment they signed that deal, Jason Kenney was no longer in control in Alberta. Interesting. All right. We'll uh, take a time out. Dr. William McKees is with us, Chief of Nuclear Medicine and Oncology for the Wellness Company, twc.health forward slash liberty. Check it out, twc.health forward slash liberty. Back with more of our conversation in three minutes. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. Dr. William McKees is with us, Chief of Nuclear Medicine and Oncology for the Wellness Company Canada, twc.health forward slash liberty. Again, lots of um, uh, supplements, uh, spike support formula, immune um, supplements for your immune system, your daily essentials, uh, chewables for the kids, mind and energy supplements, digestion and metabolism supplements, sleep and restoration. Uh, also medical kits. Uh, keeping in mind the uh, the medical emergency kit and the the uh, contagion emergency kit not yet available in Canada. However, I am told TWC.health, they are, uh, they're working on it, the wellness company, working on making those available. And then, of course, the all-important uh, virtual care where you can see a doctor. Uh, Dr. Willie McKees, um, Chief of Nuclear Medicine and Oncology. So uh, can you just maybe expand on that? What do you What is your role at the wellness company? What is nuclear medicine, for example? Nuclear medicine is a branch of radiology that uh, mostly deals with cancer. Um, you know, we have cutting edge uh, diagnostics to uh, to diagnose cancer uh, for uh, to direct surgeons and oncologists uh, how to treat their patients. But it also includes treatments, cutting edge cancer treatments as well. And so my role is on the um, the chief medical board. Um, you know, I work with Dr. Peter McCullough. In the United States, Dr. Harvey Reich, um, you know, uh, Dr. Drew Pinsky. Um, in Canada, we've got Dr. Roger Hodkinson, Dr. Mark Trozzi, Dr. Julie Paness, Dr. Paul Alexander, and myself. So we serve a, a, in an advisory role uh, to the wellness company in terms of uh, looking at potential new new products, um, you know, new supplements, uh, new approaches. Uh, uh, potentially to cancer care um, and to uh, really be, you know, find ways to maybe start helping patients who are developing cancer, uh, especially vaccinated patients, because, you know, this is a new area where, you know, you've got people who've taken these vaccines. They were not told about the risks and the dangers of these vaccines. Uh, virtually nobody in Canada or United States had informed consent. When it came to the COVID vaccines, the doctors knew the dangers or they should have known about the dangers, the risks. As a physician, you're always supposed to discuss not just the benefits, but the risks as well. And then nobody did that. And, you know, none of the doctors did that. So now these patients are faced with all kinds of, of injuries and side effects, adverse events, you know, ranging from myocarditis and heart issues to blood clots to autoimmune problems, neurological issues. And now, uh, you know, cancer is taking over as as a big problem um, among the COVID vaccinated and no one is addressing it. No one is even looking at it. 
So, yeah, it's, it seems like it's uh, done. N- none dare speak the name. Uh, we're hearing a lot about uh, something called turbo cancer. I don't know if that's an actual medical term, but what do we? What is meant by turbo cancer? Yeah, so turbo cancer is not a medical term. It, it was a term that uh, seems to have arisen, um, you know, on social media, and and really it was it was circulated among people who realized there's something different about these cancers. Uh, you know, these are not typical cancers that we've seen, you know, before the rollout of the vaccines. And, and that's 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 the issue is that uh, turbo cancer, um, as I see it, is a brand new phenomenon that is specific to Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. You may see a very rare case with AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson, but this is really specific to the mRNA vaccines. Uh, and all you need is one vaccine, a bad batch, um, and you can get uh, cancer, you can get brain cancer, you can get lymphoma, you can get breast cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer. These are the top five cancers that I'm seeing. Also seeing some leukemias, sarcomas, um, you know, testicular cancers, ovarian cancers. Um, their behavior is different. Uh, they are much more aggressive uh, for reasons that are not understood yet. They grow much more rapidly. And, and so when a person uh, usually a young person, you know, will have, let's say, have had two or three COVID vaccines, they may end up presenting with a stage four cancer. And they could be in their 20s, they could be in their 30s. They're not, and they're not presenting with, at stage one, they're presenting at stage four. That's what's so shocking about these cancers is they grow so rapidly that by the time the person starts having symptoms and realizes something is wrong, by the time they get to see a doctor, it's stage four. Uh, and then the oncologists are dealing with a with an advanced cancer that has grown rapidly. Then they try to treat it with the standard chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and sometimes immunotherapy regimen. And these cancers don't respond to standard treatments. That is the other big feature of these cancers. Is there uh, any ongoing research uh, studies which, which, to your mind, definitively shows uh, either causation or a strong correlation between the vaccine and these turbo cancers? There is in terms of the potential mechanisms of how, of how these may be arising. Um, and this is being done by independent researchers. So I'll give you an example. I'll give you a good example of this. Uh, you've got Kevin McKernan, a geneticist in the United States who was doing sequencing work and then he uh, on the vaccines. And then he discovers purely by accident that there is DNA contamination in the vaccine vials. So he starts testing all the vaccine vials that he can get his hands on, Pfizer and Moderna, and then, you know, the new boosters. And he finds out there's DNA contamination in all of them. And then, you know, he alerts uh, the world about it, puts out a preprint, and then other labs start testing and they discover there's DNA contamination. Well, the dangers with having DNA contamination in these vaccines and the DNA contamination comes from the manufacturing process. So for people to understand, how do you get the mRNA? Well, they actually start with DNA plasmids, these rings of DNA that have the spike protein sequence. They stick it into E. coli, and then they multiply the E. coli into billions of, of copies. Then they extract the DNA back. They transcribe it into mRNA. They have to, of course, m- use the modified pseudouridine, which is a, one of the modified nucleotides. Um, and they're supposed to then get rid of all the DNA. They're supposed to use enzymes to, to chop up the DNA, get rid of it, and just put the purified mRNA product into the lipid nanoparticles, and then that's what we get as our vaccines. Well, that's not what happened. Uh, what happened was that they left the DNA in there, 
the DNA formed hybrids with the mRNA, and then that got stuck into the lipid nanoparticles and got injected into people. So people have been injected with foreign DNA that's been grown in E. coli, basically. And the danger there is that you're now being injected with billions of additional particles of DNA, and that DNA is sometimes in fragments. And now the potential there is that that gets integrated into some of our cells, and it can cause cancer if it gets integrated in the wrong place, right? So now this is, this is research that should have been done by Pfizer or should have been done by the regulatory agencies. They didn't do any of it. In fact, this is why the Florida Surgeon General uh, Dr. Joseph Latipore recently came out and said, I asked the FDA, what, what are you guys doing about this DNA contamination? They didn't give him an answer. So now he said we have to halt these vaccines because they're all contaminated. Unbelievable. All right. We'll uh, take one final time out. Dr. William McKees, Chief of Nuclear Medicine and Oncology for the Wellness Company Canada, twc.health forward slash liberty. Back with more of our conversation in three minutes. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. And a few minutes remain with Dr. William McKees, Chief of Nuclear Medicine and Oncology for the Wellness Company Canada, twc.health forward slash liberty. Again, uh, supplements including uh, spike support, the... um, Spike support formula. Some of these things not available in Canada. If you're in the U.S., you can get them. If uh, Well, just check it out. If you're here in Canada, just know that uh, they're working on uh, getting approval, for example, for the um, emergency medical kit and the uh, contagion kit. twc.health forward slash liberty. Um, Dr. McKees, tell me um, more about this silent cardiac killer fraud uh, you've been talking about on on social media. Uh, 20 young people between the ages of 18 and 35 suddenly dropped dead. Uh, this is happening each week. Uh, one in 300 now carry, you say, an undetected heart condition. Um, and this is all, you say, linked back to the COVID-19 vaccine. So we're seeing a lot of young people who are coming down with with cardiac injury after they've had the COVID vaccine. Usually this cardiac injury is in the form of myocarditis, uh, but there could be all kinds of cardiac injuries, cardiomyopathies. And um, when some of these young people die suddenly, um, you know, they're shocked. Their families are shocked to when the doctors tell them, oh, well, you know, this was a congenital issue, a congenital heart issue. Now they never knew they had a congenital heart issue. Uh, And, You know, when I look at this and I dove into this, uh, dove into the research to look at SADS, for example, sudden adult death syndrome, it used to be called sudden arrhythmic death syndrome. And it and it it was a syndrome that, you know, uh, defined uh, young people who were at who had a congenital condition who were at risk of dying suddenly. Right. As we see right now, a lot of young people dying suddenly, unexplained causes. Well, that was that was a one in a million one per million population per year type of event. Whereas now we have thousands of young people who are dying suddenly. Uh, that uh, data you just described, that was in the United Kingdom. They've got, you know, 20 young people dying, uh, dropping dead uh, every week from, from cardiac issues. And they're starting to, I'm seeing they're starting to blame it on congenital issues. And so congenital issues that, that used to be rare, and nothing would have changed. But now, since the vaccines were rolled out, it's a very convenient excuse 
to give to families to say, well, you know, your loved one, your, you know, 16 year old, 18 year old, 25 year old had a congenital cardiac issue that you didn't know about. And uh, unfortunately, you know, they died suddenly because of that, not because of the vaccines that were pushed by the government. And then, of course, all the doctors, none of whom gave informed consent to to their patients. So we're talking about a cover up. Wouldn't they have to enlist uh, medical examiners, coroners in order to to pull this off? Well, you 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 would probably have to enlist a few at least. Um, but again, people have to remember that medicine is very hierarchical. It's a very sort of a top-down pyramid-like structure, and so you don't need you know any kind of conspiracy. You don't need a lot of people involved. You just need a couple of people near the top uh, to be in on a particular uh, on a particular cover-up, let's say. And so you would probably, let's say, have the chief medical examiner. He might have a few friends or a few people underneath him that he'll be like, hey, listen, we're going to start calling a lot more of these things congenital uh, problems. And um, that's it. You, 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 have, you have a very simple cover up. Um, you know, here's the thing. Imagine uh, cardiologists, for example. I mean, imagine the liability where, where these cardiologists, you know, they, they recommend it these vaccines to all their patients, all their vulnerable patients, um, you know, and and then these patients are now coming down with, uh, you know, disabling issues, life altering issues. And then, of course, you've got all the sudden deaths as well. And the thing is, is that, you know, there there is no other explanation for the for the sudden cardiac deaths. And you the way you could explain it is you could do the autopsies properly. You could test for the spike protein from the vaccine. You could also test for the presence of mRNA. So it's called immunohistochemical staining. You could do these stains. They do them on autopsy. It's just you have to have the staining designed specifically for for the mRNA, for the spike protein. And then you could also have it designed for some of the viral proteins uh, in the COVID-19 virus because, you, you know, it might be long COVID, right? That's what the, some, some other doctors are saying. Well, it's long covid and it's damage from, you know, a viral infection that you had two, three years ago that damaged your heart. And now, you know, you've died because of long COVID. That could all be solved if they did the proper staining on autopsies uh, for those components. And then depending on which components are present, you can determine if it was from the vaccine or if it was from the viral infection or neither. If it was some kind of a, you know, congenital anomaly, these autopsies are not being done. Uh, they're only being done in, in, you know, very few research places in Japan, Korea, in Germany, and in the United States, it, it has not been done in Canada. Not a single proper autopsy of these sudden deaths has been done in Canada. And they're not being done on a routine basis in the States either. Unbelievable. Uh, Dr. William McKeese, Chief of Nuclear Medicine and Oncology for the Wellness Company Canada, twc.health forward slash liberty. Again, medical kits, contagion kits, some of which... Not available in Canada yet. All sorts of supplements, uh, virtual care. You can become a member. Uh, use the code Liberty and uh, you get a discount. TWC.health forward slash Liberty. Dr. McKees, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you'll join us again. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. All right. When we come back, we're talking trout. Brendan Lang, play-by-play announcer, color commentator, for the Mississauga Steelheads drops by with a preview of all the OHL action. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM.
Welcome back. Answer me this. Why is it every time you walk into the bank, you're constantly bombarded with woke propaganda? And what would happen if you called your financial advisor and you told your advisor what you really think about the state of our nation and the need to protect your capital? The financial advisors at the big banks and other large financial services companies aren't looking to partner with conservative patriots like you. So why are you partnering with them and letting them manage your hard-earned wealth? Rocklink is a patriotic and thoroughly conservative Canadian company that's aligned with your values and understands your concerns. So let them show you how to develop a financial plan that works for your family and it's not and is not filled with all the liberal talking points. Give Rocklink a call at 905-631-5462. I did and now I'm a client. 905-631-5462 or email info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink.com. Rocklink with a C. R-O-C-K-L-I-N-C. But a shooting position doesn't take it. Passes across. Lingers! No way he made that save! Here's a shot. Scores! Chaz Sharp, the new captain! Porter Martel, great move. Martel, through the line! He scores! Oh my goodness, Porter Martone! All righty, well, last night the Steelheads capped off their two-game northern road trip, and uh, they, they took on Sudbury and North Bay. Uh, they split the games, but wow, they were uh, outshot 85-45. to 45. Brendan Lang, play-by-play announcer, color commentator, color commentator with the Steelheads, joins us now. Hey, Brendan, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Richard? Very well. Very well. So let's talk about that northern road trip. Being outshot eighty-five to forty-five, do you do you think they were like thoroughly outplayed as the shot total suggests, or is that misleading? Well, I think the Sudbury game definitely you you would say that they were outplayed. The North Bay one, I think, was a little bit closer. Shots in that game were thirty-eight to twenty-six in favor of North Bay, and, and the Sudbury game they were, I'd say, outshot by a much much wider margin. There, you can see it forty-seven to nineteen. So, I think it's fair to say for the Sudbury game, Ryerson Leanders was absolutely on fire against the Sudbury Wolves. Came up with save after save, and he's been doing that all season long. So, I think he really bought them a win in that one. And then it was just a little bit more offensive of reduction from the North Bay Battalion. So I would say, yes, it does reflect that for the first game of the two, but I think the North Bay game was a lot closer than that might show. All right, let's talk about penalties because uh, head coach GM, uh, James Richmond, he's talked multiple times about the need for discipline on this squad and the Trout took eight penalties over those uh, two games. Two That cost them two power play goals against. What makes Mississauga... Uh, so prone to taking penalties. I think really the main thing is that they're just such a young team. And James Richmond has said that a lot about a lot of different aspects in their game where they are just uh, I mean, one of the youngest teams in the OHL. I don't know if they're exactly the youngest team, but definitely up there for being one of the youngest. And I think you just kind of see those retaliation penalties come into play. You mentioned those penalty minutes, 626 on the season. They're first in all of the OHL. They also average the most penalty minutes per game in the OHL. So I do think it has to do with the fact that they have a lot of youth on this roster and they just haven't really been able to find that line. I think they stand up for themselves really well. They play with a physical edge, and, and James Richmond loves that, and I think a lot the players do too. 
but they just don't really know where that edge is. And and I think that maybe some of the older guys need to kind of help them find that a little bit. But but to answer your question, for the main part, I think it's just the youth on this roster. And I do think that they will get better at that as they continue their careers here moving on in years years coming. Uh, a couple of trade acquisitions, Dean Locus and Reed Gee. Uh, are now four and nine games into their steelhead uh, tenures, respectively. What are your thoughts on how uh, they've, they've fared so far? So let's start with Reed Gee. He was a guy who came over a little bit earlier on from Flint, and he's a defenseman, really likes to play with a, with a physical edge, kind of fits in exactly with a, with the rest of the team. He, he's been playing a lot here recently with Jakob Fibiger, who's been out here. He just came back on that northern road trip, but he was out for a little while, so Reed Gee was getting a lot of ice time in there, kind of playing on the second unit with Finn Harding there on the back end, and he looked pretty good. I think the first couple games, you could see that he was really kind of just getting his feet wet, figuring out the defensive zone systems that they needed to play under James Richmond and all that. But when you really look at his game, I think he plays with a lot of toughness back there. That's one thing that the coaching staff has mentioned time and time again. And and also, I think he does have a offensive side of the game as well. He's a really good skater. He's also a 2006 born player. So he's also really young. He's going to be with this team moving forward, kind of fitting the same age group as the rest of the roster. So I really like that move to be able to fit in for years to come and, and also just kind of improving as this season goes on. And then you mentioned the other guy, Dean Locus, who comes in and he's an overager. And the Steelheads had been going the whole year with only two overage players, Mark Boudreaux and Chaz Sharp. You're allowed to have three on your roster. So at the trade deadline, you kind of thought there was a possibility that they were going to be bringing in an overage player. And I think he fits the mold really well. He's kind of a heart and soul player he's a guy who now in his first two seasons in the OHL 50 plus points in both seasons looks like he's probably on his way to that again and it's not just the offensive game that you're getting you're getting a guy who's great in the locker room as well he's going to be able to lead by example and lead on the ice again being one of the older players on this roster all right so Sunday the uh, Steelheads play host to Sarnia what do they need to do to bounce back after yesterday's loss yeah so the Sarnia sting I mean they're not having a great season right now. They sold at the trade deadline, so they're getting younger right now. Right now, with on the season, 32 points, still outside of a playoff spot there in the Western Conference. So I think for Mississauga, and I feel like I've said this a lot with them when they're playing against any opponent, but especially an opponent that they should go out and they should beat. They just have to start the game getting on the four check early on. And that's such a big thing for them. And and somebody that they lost in Xander Vecchi, I mean, he was a big part of that. So they're going to have to recreate that. Dean Locus is a guy who can definitely step in and fill that mold, kind of just playing with a lot of energy in the offensive zone. And, and two, they need to get good goaltending. And I think Ryerson Leanders has been has been really solid there. Jack Ivankovic has been dealing with an injury as well. So Leanders has really got a lot of run here and he's been solid. So I think it starts with the four check and then you're going to need to get some good goaltending as well. Very quickly, what's coming up on Trout Talk? Yeah, on Trout Talk this upcoming Sunday, just before the game against Sarnia, we have Dean Locust, the newest Mississauga Steelhead on. He's chatting with myself, Zach Bodenstein and Mikey Kay. So you can look forward to that. That's at one o'clock just before the start of the Mississauga Steelheads game this weekend. And, of course, you can get your Steelhead tickets by visiting the Paramount Fine Food Center box office or by calling 905-502-7788, 905-502-7788. Brendan Lang, play-by-play announcer, color commentator for the Mississauga Steelheads. Brendan, thank you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much, Richard, and happy birthday. Uh, thank you, pal. All right. When we, I guess I'm too old to qualify for the, uh, the overage juniors. <laughs> that dream is dead. <laughs> About 40 years ago, in fact. All right, when we come back, Greg Carrasco, there's something happening here. Stay with us. 
Let's rejoin the conversation on the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Something's happening here. Greg Carrasco, host of the Greg Carrasco Show. That's what's happening here. Saturday mornings, 8 to 11 on the Mighty Saga 960. Greg, how are you, buddy? I am well. Um, you know, it's happy to be back in Canada. Uh, I, I took a couple of weeks off and went to Chile. Um, and that was terrifying. <laughs> oh? <laughs> you know, Richard, I, 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 I couldn't wait to talk to you about this because... Um, you know, unless you were one of those back in the day, uh, one of those conspiracy theorists, uh, if I tell you, if I told you what I'm going to say to you right now, you would never believe me. Try me. Um, okay. <laughs> Tens, if not hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants are flooding the cities of Santiago, Chile. There are a city tenth of immigrants with ghettos within it in which you cannot even enter the center of the city. And these people are untouchable because they are protected uh, class by the government. They are immigrants and they're illegal immigrants. They're flooding in from all other countries in Latin America. Um, it was to the point that I couldn't even en- enter downtown Santiago because it was so unbelievably dangerous. Um, the um, Chile has the first um, democratically elected uh, communist government in Latin America. And uh, it is terrifying because Chileans are moving by, you know, by the hundreds of thousands out of Santiago. Uh, it's so unbelievably dangerous. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's like it's the exact same thing that is happening here is happening there. Yeah. yeah in other it's, words, yeah, here is you're just getting kind of you're getting a preview yeah. uh, in Chile of what we're in for here if we continue down our present course uh, of action. Well, I was going to ask you about this because, you know, you grew up in the mean streets of, uh, of Chile. Um, yeah. and then, and then you see this ugly, horrible display a couple of days ago where a journalist, a credentialed reporter who does pretty damn good work as far as I'm concerned, uh, gets entrapped by a, an RCMP thug on the security detail for our deputy prime minister. He gets uh, physically uh, attacked. I mean, it was violent. Um, it was uh, ugly. He gets thrown up against a wall and then, you know, trumped up charges of assaulting a police, which, of course, no everyone knows never happened. And then he gets arrested for basically asking a question to a deputy prime minister who used to be a journalist, supposedly, who's delivered speeches on the importance of, you know, the freedom of the press and not arresting journalists. And here we go right here in this country. I mean, uh, you have to like ask yourself, am I still in Canada? Well, I, I think that this is, you know, clearly shows you uh, how much freedom of the press we have in Canada. Uh, when the the RCMP, which is our, you know, most respected police force, is are using themselves as, as accessories to create charges and on video, I mean, this I, I've watched the video so many times to see if there was any possibility of a misunderstanding, of ambiguity. Maybe, no, no, these were made-up charges against uh, journalists that uh, they deem uh, persona non grata because they don't agree with the views of the government. I mean, this is what's exactly what's happening. You are being suppressed, you're being oppressed, you're being repressed. And, you know, look, everybody is okay with injustice until it happens to them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if, if this is what is coming, I think that every single journalist, regardless of the political affiliation, 
should be terrified because once you open the door for this sort of behavior in which the police force are being weaponized against journalists that simply have a different viewpoint than the actual government in power, you what? You're going to jail? You're going to jail? You're being arrested because you're asking the right questions to the wrong person? Exactly. How does that work? Well, and what's so... uh not amusing. It would be amusing if the stakes weren't so high. But we have the liberals and the left saying that Pierre Polyev, we should be we should be scared of a Pierre Polyev conservative government because he's just like Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, if he gets reelected, he's going to arrest journalists. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> It's projection, right? That old psychological phenomenon projection. What they accuse you of is precisely what they're doing. It's, they call that gaslighting. And usually the people that use this gaslighting thing, is the, they are the very people who are doing it. So, you know, the reality is this, that uh, we, we're not so lucky to have a Donald Trump as president here in Canada. I wish we did. And yes, I did say that on radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, do I think that, you know, Pierre Polyev is the answer? I don't know. But it's certainly a better alternative than what we have right now. I mean, you know, we, talking to the people in Chile after, you know, I landed there, you know, Canada is viewed as a joke. We are a joke in the international affairs when people think about the things that are happening here in Canada, especially when it comes to the education system. They think that we are absolutely insane. And these are some of the more educated people in my family. So, you know, when you see a journalist, you know, whether you like David or not, this is that's not the point. The point is that we need to take that case for what happened that specific moment. Those were made up charges, you know, deliberately imposed into someone that was asking the right question to the wrong person. And all the the bought and paid for legacy media in this country can do is um, they, they're talking about it, but they excuse it. They say, well, he's not really a journalist. He's an activist. Again, projection. I mean, uh, pot, meat, kettle. Uh, come on. He's an activist. He's asking a, a basic question as to why the liberal government hasn't um, uh, registered the uh, Islamic a Republic Guard Corps as a terrorist group on the anniversary of them shooting a, uh, you know, uh, an airliner out of the sky, killing dozens and dozens of Canadians and Canadian residents. That's an activist question. That's a basic question. And then he gets summarily thrown against a wall and hauled away in a paddy wagon. Uh, and all they can say is, well, he's a he's a right winger, so it doesn't matter. Well, that's what that's what's happening, right? Because all right wingers are white supremacists and racists and uh, and uh, a woman hating people. That's that's all what we are, right? But I mean, that's that's what the left wants you to believe. Now, I, I don't have any information on the question that David was asking. Uh, you know, honestly, this is what I did, uh, Richard. I turned the volume down on the actual video and I watched what took place. You know, did David do anything wrong? And the answer to that, based on, you know, from a layman's perspective, because I, I really don't have any background on that. From a layman's perspective, the RCMP officer run onto him deliberately and yes. then accused David of being of, of assaulting him. I, I do believe that uh, David has some ground here to uh, to press some charges because well, they're um, suing and I hope they get it. I hope they get every every penny. They're suing Christian Freeland. They're suing the RCMP. They're suing regional York, uh, York Regional Police. Uh, they're suing. Um, yeah, well, that, that, that about covers it. Uh, but no, the, the question he asked, I mean, Christian Freeland was in Richmond Hill 
She was attending a memorial. It was the fourth anniversary of the uh, of Iran shooting that Ukrainian airliner out of the sky with a missile. Uh, yep. that, and he simply asked, you know, why hasn't your government um, listed the Islamic Republican Guard Corps uh, as a terrorist organization? That was the question. Seems like a pretty mm. reasonable question to ask. It didn't matter what the question was, though. They headed out for David. It was they were they were gunning for him. And um, yeah, that I, was planned. It, lo- it looked planned to me. Uh, but then again, I, you know, what do I know? We're just, you know, <laughs> we're just, we, we are just right wing guys, according to everyone else here. So exactly. we have no validity. We have no credibility. What That's, are we talking about here? <laughs> we're supposed to go sit in the corner and be quiet. Oh, of course. Uh, What's coming up on the big show tomorrow, Greg? Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about how China is taking over the car industry. Uh, you know, Chile almost has close to 40% of Chinese vehicles on the road. It's a 40% market share, David. That is bigger than Toyota, Honda, VW, Chrysler, NGM combined. They're producing more cars than just about everybody else on the planet. We're going to do a recap on last year, but we also have Gary Silberg, who is a partner, a, a global partner of KPMG automotive sector. And they do an annual survey of about a thousand automotive executives worldwide to talk about the challenges and, and, and future opportunities of the car business. So he's coming down to the show tomorrow and uh, we're just going to. I have a lot of fun. The, um, I haven't been on air for a couple of weeks. You know, people are sending me all sorts of emails. Like, Where are you, Carrasco? <laughs> so, and also, tomorrow we start the simulcast. Uh, we we will be simulcasting uh, out of, um, you know, I think it's called Classic uh, 1220 out of uh, St. Catharines. Oh. And uh, it's, it's part of the, uh, the Carrasco network. Uh, and uh, the show is going to be broadcasted out of two radio stations at the same time. So I'm pretty excited about that. That is exciting. Congratulations. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm looking forward to having dinner with you sometime very soon, Richard. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you, brother. Saturday mornings, 8 to 11 on Saga 960. And now you can hear him on two stations if you're in the uh, St. Catharines area. Classic 1220. That is correct. All right. There you go. Fantastic. I'm so excited. All (laughs) righty. Thanks, Greg. And now, your Limb Riddler answer, and this week's winners. All right, this week's Limb Riddle, Go Gourmet. Arnold switched teams to the Yankees' to, sh- uh, to the Yankees chagrin. Bridgerton bachelor fashioned by Quinn. Cleric divine resolved to resign. Eggs go gourmet with a rich, saucy spin. And the answer is, did you get it? Benedict. Benedict Arnold, of course, as in Benedict Arnold, switching sides uh, during the American Revolution. Bridgerton Bachelor, fashioned by Quinn. Bridgerton is a series of romance novels by Julia Quinn, and uh, it follows the noble Bridgerton family, including Benedict, who is heir to the uh, Viscountcy, uh, Viscountcy of Bridgerton. Cleric Divine resolved to resign. Pope Benedict became the first pope to resign in almost 600 years. Eggs go gourmet with a rich, saucy spin, of course, Eggs Benedict. There you go. The first five to answer were Tom, Dave, and Michael Dibley, or the Dibley family, uh, and uh, Sue Somerville of Calgary, Amy Lou Hu of Toronto, Melka Elkin of Toronto, and Rosalind Mitchell of Peterborough. Uh, congratulations to Dave Dibley. He's the winner of the uh, Steelhead Tickets to see the Mississippi Saga Steelheads uh, in action against Sarnia at home. And if you didn't win, you can get your tickets by visiting the Paramount Fine Food Center box office or call 905-502-7788, 905-502-7788. And that is it for me. 
My thanks to Jody and Jacob. I'll be back next week to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you on Monday at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Monday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM.